1: what is up everybody welcome inside the guilty as charged podcast coming to you live on a saturday morning uh after the preseason is officially over we do not have to talk about preseason games after today excited to talk about the real stuff with my guys tyler and alex alex we'll start with you man how are you doing today
2: uh yeah i i hope that's the last we ever have to talk about the preseason uh because uh that wasn't the most fun game to watch but we are here to the regular season and we're gonna get our final roster soon so things to be excited for
1: yeah well like alex mentioned we're here to uh you know recap last night's action talk about some standouts although there weren't a ton um but we are going to do our final 53-man roster predictions today uh, and potentially take some questions. We'll see how, how kind of the show unwinds and how much time we have and things like that. So, um, looking forward to it. Tyler's here as well, man. Tyler, what's up? How are you doing?
3: Doing very well. Had a really good time watching Jerry Tillery's prove it preseason.
1: (laughs) I know there was a lot of talk this week about Jerry Tillery potentially getting cut. Uh, and then he and Morgan Fox did not play a single snap last night. So that should tell you everything you need to know there. Um, Just really quickly before we get into the specific game recap, I was really surprised at how much negativity there was on Twitter last night when the Saints are trotting out, you know, Jarvis Landry and Jameis Winston and uh, Demario Davis and Cam Jordan and the backups were getting run on. Like, what did did we all expect when the Chargers second and third string uh, players were playing up against, you know, some all pro players like Demario Davis and Alvin Kamara and stuff like that. So I I don't really understand what the vibes were last night. (laughs)
3: shrug shrug emoji i don't know i don't know what people expected um unfortunately it seems like trevor penning was hurt because of them rolling out the starters like that so um if you really wanted the defensive starters out there to test themselves against the offensive starters of the saints well you could end up with a trevor penning or you could even watch a drew (laughs) lock Yeah,
2: so, uh, I mean, it's ahead, the preseason. I don't know why we have to really analyze the results of these games. Uh, we don't. If you put your starters out there against the Chargers second stringers, it's going to look bad. Um, but yeah, no, I. the results of the preseason don't matter, just as they never mattered. Uh, so that is
1: no reason why any of the vibes should be down. Yeah, I will say after watching the Chargers in the preseason in the last two years, it gives me a newfound appreciation for what the Ravens have done over the last few years and going like 23 and 0 or whatever it is in their last six or seven preseasons. So uh, I don't know how they do that, honestly, with like, because they don't play their starters either. You know, like Lamar Jackson's not out there, like Ronnie Stanley's not out there, but, uh, you know, they keep on rolling. So it must just be my guy, Tyler Huntley, is just that, that good and, and uh, that much of a baller. That might
3: have been a record for the longest you've gone through podcast episodes without a Utah reference. So,
1: (laughs) Hey, man, I'm just getting excited. Season starts next week. I cannot wait for that. A whole Um, four
2: minutes and 11 seconds.
1: (laughs) Hey, man, you know, proud of my alma mater. What can I say? Um, All right, let's dive into some of the takeaways from last night. Uh, Again, wasn't a, a ton to take away from the first group. Um, you know, I will say, well, I guess we always start with the quarterbacks. Chase Daniel looked pretty good last night, man. He ended up 10 for 11, 113 yards, um, you know, passer rating of 109. And, you know, he took the one sack from Demario Davis on a blitz pickup, which, uh, kind of went awry, but, um, you know, they went three and out quickly and then Daniel and Josh Kelly ended up leading like a 12 play seven minute drive ending with a touchdown. Um, they got another field goal drive with Dustin Hopkins later on in the first half. I thought Chase Daniel played pretty well last night. And to me, that was that was pretty easily the best half of quarterback play that we've seen this preseason.
3: Yeah, that was like we finally saw quarterback play. It, it really feels like that was the couple of drives or or even a first half where it's like, oh, this person can actually go into a game and manage it and get a couple of touchdowns on a couple of drives if Herbert ever goes down. You finally saw a backup quarterback do, you know, solid backup quarterback thing. So um, the other guy did not, but Chase Daniel, I thought, did well. He does seem to be QB2, although they did discuss on the broadcast that it would be matchup-based on who would be QB2. So I don't know if I really even buy that, Um, but they did say that. But for now, yeah, Chase Daniel separated himself officially I guess and good for him I needed to see something out of these
2: guys and thankfully we got at least one decent half out of Chase Daniel yeah I mean I thought Chase Daniel was really solid all around the board in terms of how he conducted that first half and that game I think really illustrated the difference between what Chase Daniel and Easton Stick are and I know fans are going to talk about you know Easton Stick's running plays where you know he can make things look good uh, occasionally he'll just throw a dart to the middle of the field to, to Michael Bandy or something like he did in those first couple preseason games. Um, but he just can't, you know, stand back in the pocket and really control his arm from there. And that's been the big difference in terms of sustaining drives between someone like him and someone like Chase Daniel, uh, who, you know, even though I don't trust him, you know, with the game, uh, you know, in his hands as like a backup quarterback in in a sense, like he's certainly probably lower tier backup quarterback around the league. I still trust him a lot more to just sustain those drives and, you know, keep the chargers afloat uh, than I do Chase Daniel. And that was, uh, that I do Easton Stick. And that was evident last night where it, the second half is just fumble, punt, punt, punt. Uh, and then, you know, you sort of have those sustained drives that uh, Chase Daniel went on with the, you know, I guess second or third stringers in the first half. So, um, Yeah, I'd I'd never really viewed it as a competition. I guess the Chargers, for a brief period, thought there was one. But hearing that it could be matchup-based quarterback two, like, does that mean Easton Stick gets in as QB two if the other team is like really, really bad? Like, is that what we're (laughs) talking about? Because I don't know, man. It's been three years. It's been a fun Stick experiment. Um, I just, he's not that guy. And I don't think he's developed since then. The preseason numbers this year have not been flattering to him, and um, I think it is time to cut him and end the experiment. But the reality is, we know they're keeping three.
1: Yeah, you know they're keeping three, and we'll we'll certainly talk about that. And um, you know, Arjun did a, a pretty good breakdown this week about where these two quarterbacks stood and, and kind of you know the advanced metrics in terms of EPA per play and, and completion percentage over expected and. You know, Chase Daniel was ahead in pretty much every regard last, you know, heading into last night. And you know, I think it's safe to assume that he, you know, really um advanced that gap between the two of them. So um, you know, for what it's worth, you know, Chase Daniel in that second touchdown drive, it was a, against a good amount of uh starting Saints players. You know, I, I don't think Cam Jordan was out there at that point, but I still think you know DeMar Davis was there. Uh, I don't think Marshawn Latimer played, but Paulson Adibo was was out there. Tyron Matthew was out there. Marcus May was out there. So they had a good amount of starting level players while Chase Daniel is, is leading that drive. And you know, I thought he had a great pass to Jalen Guyton on that deep throw. I thought he had a, a few other good moments as well. And so, you know, I think the other thing to remember here is that Chase Daniel has shown off some good mobility. Like people are kind of talking about him online that. He is this statue like Philip Rivers, and that's just not been the case. I mean, he's got like 65 yards rushing in the preseason through three games, so it's not like Chase <laughs> Daniel really? is. <laughs> yeah, he does, man. <laughs> so I, I think the mobility edge in terms of stick that people give him is, is kind of overstated in this quarterback competition.
2: Yeah,
3: I think stick's mobility is probably more sustainable in the long run, but Chase Daniel, man, he got that. 30-whatever-yard scamper in the first game. He juked out a Saints defender this past game, so is he more mobile than he's stick? No, but the fact that he's clearly the better passer and can kind of occasionally take off and run, uh, that's impressive. I was surprised to see Chase Daniels' mobility
2: be honestly more of a factor than his ability to hit an out route. (laughs) right um i don't know if either of them can hit an hour out at this point but uh exactly. it's certainly looking pretty bad for both yeah i mean i guess the mo- the mobility aspect of stick that people talk about and this goes back to like a couple years ago when he was supposed to be do taste hill and uh all that kind of stuff yeah i mean a lot of it just came off of design plays and stuff like that where it's like okay well yeah i mean he got to his spot you know like the run into the end zone uh in- against the cowboys but it's like that was what the play was designed to do, right? It's not like he was creating all these rushing yards, you know, for himself, uh, a la Lamar Jackson and all these other guys, right? Uh, so, you know, mobility, I think, is is kind of a subjective thing uh, in that sense. And so Chase Daniel having that big run he had in the first game, the juke hit last night, um, I don't – that's why I don't really understand when one person is a significantly worse passer than the other from the pocket – I mean, I just don't think that that could stick an edge.
1: No, I don't I don't think it does either. So um, we'll, we'll get into some other takeaways now. Obviously, the Chargers losing 27 to 10. So it wasn't a uh, great defensive performance. Um, and I think, you know, we can certainly talk about the defense in terms of positive right. standouts. But uh, for me, I, I think the biggest positive takeaway from last night has to be Joshua Kelly, the uh, running back to yeah. battle. Seems to be kind of wrapped up at this point. Josh Kelly has um looked very explosive and efficient with his touches in at least two of the three preseason games. Uh last night ended up taking six carries for 40 yards, average of 6.7. He had runs of 15, 10, and 9. So really you know, showing some explosive play ability. Um let's see if he had, I don't think he only had the one catch, but uh, Larry Rantry also got six carries and went for 12 yards. So <laughs> that's where the running back battle has been. Obviously, we'll see about Isaiah Spiller. But Alex, what did you see from uh, Josh Kelly last night?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Josh Kelly was really good. It got to the point where I'm like, okay, he's averaging five or six yards carry. Throw him out of the game, please. We we can't take another running back injury. Larry Roundtree cannot be running back two against the Raiders week one. Um, yeah. I wanted him out of the game so bad, but um, it was great to see that from him, obviously. Uh, I, I guess it was weird because we sort of talked about it this offseason as though it was an RB2 battle, and then obviously Spiller um, gets hurt the way he did, so he's probably going to be missing week one or be limited in some capacity for week one um so I guess it didn't really end up being a battle but I think Kelly showed that he wasn't just given that spot in a sense because you know Spiller was a rookie right I think he showed throughout this training camp and through last night's preseason game the first preseason game as well um that he was much improved as a runner up the middle uh could do some things in the passing game as well uh which is really what I think a lot of people wanted to see from him so um uh I'm Very impressed with what we've seen from Joshua Kelly this off uh, this offseason. I don't know if it's going to carry into the regular season, obviously, um, but just looks a lot quicker and looks a lot more decisive in terms of what he wants to do on plays, uh, whether it's in the rushing game or the receiving game.
3: Yeah, it's really the after contact yards that are really surprising me because you'll see, you know, I think against the Eagles last year they had a pitch on fourth down or something and. He gets it in the first kind of kind of makes contact with him and he goes down or Joshua Kelly just would not be doing that last year. He would not be continuing with the play and getting the extra yards or getting a couple more, getting a first down. Um, he does hurdle guys like that is a thing that he has done. That's mm-hmm. not new, but just being able to get a little bit more. He did not do that before. And that just really speaks to his confidence. And I'm just so happy for him because he talked about, you know, he wasn't really, you know, confidence wasn't great maybe wasn't taking the job as seriously. Um, I don't know if he was joking or not when he said he had to put down the canes, um, but he really took his body more seriously. It (laughs) seemed like, and he got, he looks better and it could be fool's gold because it's the preseason, but just in terms of what he set out to do this year and what he set out to prove, it looks like so far he's done that kind of like a Chris Rumpf. And it really just shows really with both those guys that just a change in one year, a change in your body and what you can do, you know, in the weight room can mean so much to a player. So his confidence is there. He's carrying that right into the regular season. Um, And I'm really, really happy for him. Like, is he, was he good last year? No, he was not a good player last year. Wasn't really so much his rookie year either, but he's such an easy guy to root for. Joshua Kelly is such a nice guy. He was on with Arjun. What a great interview. What a great guy. You want to root for this guy. And I'm happy that with full confidence, I feel like I can root for him going into the year because you know He's a great guy, but
1: also looks like he's really taking this seriously and has become a pretty solid back. Yeah, I couldn't agree more in terms of the the person, right? And, and I think it, the play didn't count, but that third and like three that he ended up converting, I, I want to say it was like an outside zone run. Might have been a counter. I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, you see him kind of like make somebody miss out on the perimeter. Then he ends up running somebody over and and gets the first down. Again, it was a hold from Foster Sorrell on the backside of the play, which I always hate as somebody who, you know, likes watching offensive line play. It's just like, what are you doing? Just don't mess up. But that little instance to me really showed how much more confident, how much more explosive Joshua Kelly is this year. Um, To your point, Tyler, about just yards after contact being kind of a strength of his now, which is something he did talk about with Arjun. Um, He was just around 1.6 yards per contact after attempt in 2021, which is not good. That's not a good number. Um, In three games in the preseason, he's about 3.5 for the whole three games, which is um, it's not a full two yard increase, but he's close to hitting that kind of number. Um, He's forced three missed tackles in every single preseason game so far which is another big metric in terms of running back play. So um, he's really playing well and he's, you know, like you're like, you're talking about the effort that he has put in in the off season has really, really shown up. Um, You know, I, I think this is, I don't feel great about the running back room outside of Austin Eckler, but I feel much better this year heading into it with Joshua Kelly and Isaiah Spiller whenever he comes back. But, yeah, you know, we'll talk about what they do with Larry Roundtree, but I, I mean, the man has averaged like two yards a carry in the preseason, so I don't really understand like what the point is there. Uh, Well, he blocks on kickoff return really well. Yeah, yeah, that is true. All right, let me see Um, any other offensive standouts that you guys wanted to mention here. Uh, do you have the official pressure numbers in front of you? I do yes. Okay, those, um, up. those just got up. Zion and Jamari finish with
3: zero. All
1: right, pressure numbers. I'll just run down in general. So Foster Carroll allowed three pressures on twenty-five pass blocking snaps. Brennan Hymas three pressures on thirty-three pass blocking snaps. Um, Ryan Hunter one pressure on sixteen pass blocking snaps. Zach Bailey, one pressure on 25. Will Clapp, one pressure on 33. Uh, Zero pressures from Zion Johnson and Jamari Sawyer. But those guys only played um, or only had eight pass blocking snaps for Zion, nine for Jamari, uh, and Trey Pipkins and Storm Norton, also zero pressures on eight passing, eight pass blocking snaps each. So, um, Trey's grade is a lot better um, than Storm's, but you know, Trey got a 61.7 pass blocking grade, or I'm sorry, that was run blocking grade. Trey Pipkins 76.5 pass blocking grade and Storm Norton 52. So
3: So uh, Trey finishes the preseason with one pressure, if I'm not mistaken, or at least beaten once. Um again last year through three games, although with far more plays. Three sacks, three penalties, nine pressures. So mm-hmm. we've gone from that to one, granted in fewer plays, but I will like I'll take that. That at least statistically, yeah. that says improvement, and I'm cool with
1: that. Yeah. yeah. Preseason, just... preseason Trey has definitely improved for sure.
2: Yeah. Um I, I think especially after this week where, I mean, Staley has not officially announced his starter right tackle, but, I mean, all signs seem to be pointing towards Trey Pipkins, right? Um, You know, getting getting all those snaps, uh, especially after last week's game, uh, and then, you know, Storm Norton being pretty clearly the backup right tackle at this point, or the backup swing tackle. Um, So I, I thought it was a good game from Trey Pipkins, just, you know, especially because the Saints were you know, playing some of their guys, right? So, you know, he did have to go up against some of those first and second string uh, defensive linemen for the Saints. So, overall, good game for him. Good game for Storm, too. But if we're talking about, you know, who's the winner, especially after a week where he was pretty much declared right tackle, I do think you have to look at Pipkins like that. Um, Obviously, Sally and Zion Johnson were solid as well. Um, And, that's probably all I got as as far as the offensive line. I know this is, we'll probably get to the losers and talk about Brendan Hymas, um, but I did think Trey Pipkins overall had a really solid game and kind of finished a really mm-hmm. solid week for himself in terms of his comeback to being a starting tackle on this team.
1: Yeah, there was one, uh, one rep against Peyton Turner. I know Peyton Turner's not like a great player or by any means, but he's a, he's a starting level player for the Saints. Um, you know, Pipkins had a, had a really nice deep set actually stat, you know, did a left-arm stab, brought his right hand in later on. It was a really, really good rep, and to me kind of showed just how further along Pipkins is in terms of technique because him and Storm essentially were trying to two-hand strike every single rusher that they could last year and the year before that. Um, so Pipkins definitely has some more tools in his toolbox this year.
3: One more guy I want to point out. Uh, If it was Josh Palmer last week, it was Jalen Guyton this week. A nice little battle for wide receiver three, even though Palmer absolutely has it. Guyton showed up this week on the fade, on, I believe, a slant. And then in the end zone, got at least a defensive pass interference. Maybe it would have had the touchdown as well, but drew that. Why are we throwing fades to Jalen Guyton in the end zone? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but it worked. I mean, they got the DPI. So yeah. who might have judge? I suppose. But uh yeah, he looked... He looked good this week at the quarterback was able to find him and he looked good this week.
1: Yeah. That um, the go ball that he took the release off the line was, was really, really well done by Jalen um I can't remember which corner it was. I think it might've been Alonte Taylor, but uh, I'll take it back and watch, but it was, it was a great play. Nonetheless, seeing him catch a slant was really nice. Um, I will say the, the, the two end arounds that they ran to Deandre Carter I really like the design of them, the way that they mm-hmm. set them up. And I think those will look better when you have to kind of honor Justin Herbert and honor Austin <laughs> Eckler yeah. and you're dealing with, you know, the full starting lineup as opposed to, um, you know, a bunch of these other guys that were out there. Um, but I, I like the way that they involved, they got him involved. And I think the just the design was really cool on both of those plays. So I do think that <laughs> I think they went for like negative three yards each, but I think in the season, those will look a lot better.
3: Oh, one would hope. Um, so it <laughs> didn't work when I saw them run it at the scrimmage. It didn't work when I saw them run it against the Cowboys' starting offense or defense, and it didn't work twice yesterday. So um, the first one I saw was great. The first one we ever saw, uh, DeAndre Carter, like twenty-five yards on the starting <laughs> defense, and then ever since then, it's just like negative one yards, zero yards every time. But like you said, if it, if you see him running like that pre-snap. It's probably going to him, or maybe you should key in on him. When is Justin Herbert out there? Austin Eckler, all these guys. Yeah, things definitely will change.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess the the takeaway from this like preseason for Carter in general is right. He gets all of that, you know, training camp buzz, training camp hype, and then relatively in those first two preseason games, pretty quiet. Um, and then, you know, has the end arounds last night that didn't really go anywhere, but it still feels like he is in that, you know, protected class of wide receiver for the Chargers, uh, you know, with um, Guyton and Palmer, right? I don't think he played much after the second half at all against either the Cowboys or uh, the Rams in the first two games. So i um, curious to see what... His role is still going to be on this team, because obviously Mm -hmm. when you have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler and all those guys on the field, including Gerald Everett, you're going to want to use those guys. And you're probably not we're not going to be talking about DeAndre Carter end rounds quite as much um, in the regular season when you have that offensive firepower. But I do still think based on what we saw in camp and based on how this coaching staff has valued him, that he will still be uh, that kind of a weapon during the season.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to see how they get him involved, and um, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that most people are kind of predicting the five receivers make the roster, which we'll talk about Michael Banning in a second, but it's kind of frustrating, but also they're, they're going to get more out of DeAndre Carter than they did at with either receiver five last year, whether that was KJ Hill or Andre Roberts. So in a sense, they are gaining another receiver, but... They're, you know, with the way that DeAndre Carter is playing and the way that he they can involve him it is going to be very interesting. So we'll flip to the defensive side of things. Uh, Joe Gaziano, man, all he does is produce in the preseason uh, three total pressures last night, as well as three run stops for Mr. Gaziano. So uh, flash some really good things. I thought he was one of the few players that uh, really showed up against the starting Saints offense. Um, I think Carlo Kemp also flashed some really good signs as well. Those two were kind of the uh, standouts, at least in terms of the defensive line that I wanted to mention. Uh, So Carlo Kemp had two pressures, two run stops for uh, the USFL edge rusher. I'm so happy for them. (laughs) to Make it over Mm -hmm. some other. It's weird because like I want to give them shine, but it's also like we're here to talk about the roster predictions and. uh, And we know where this is going. Yeah. Yeah
2: uh yeah i mean joe gaziano is everybody's favorite preseason player um i've loved watching <laughs> him the last two years because because he's awesome at what he does um same vein as cortez brown before he you know got cut last year uh so it was nice to see that from him but at the same time yeah i, I there was the same vein of like oh well they're not really gonna make the roster it was interesting to see carlo chem flash um just because the edge right we'll talk about this when we make our roster predictions in just a minute here but it feels like a bit of a mystery um in terms of what's who's gonna be that last guy they keep. Do they cut it off at rumpf because you know Kyle Van is a linebacker, you know, and and moving back to edge at some point when Kenneth Murray's fully healthy? Or do they keep one of Egg Belay um belay Davis or uh Kemp in that kind of sense too? Not that I think uh, Kemp is really a serious consideration, but uh, it is good to go out on a high note, especially when you could potentially make the practice squad and, and all those kinds of things.
3: Yeah. Talk about them.
2: Um, I mean, another guy I
3: do have to highlight, uh, I wanted him to get a freaking sack on Ian book, whatever his name is so bad. Uh, Braden Fajoco not running a four 2 like spiller anytime soon. He's just not able to bring down the quarterback, but like if you need to make a statement in your final game, not that it was like an incredibly productive game, but they do have him at one pressure, which we saw, which was a great one, and two run stops on the day. If anyone's setting the line of scrimmage or resetting it, it's him. He's shooting gaps. He's quick. Sometimes they just run away from him, but he's clearly blowing past guys, and just, the play goes away from him. Um, Twitter collectively had a heart attack when he was on the ground, basically not moving on his back. Um, and yeah. then of course the, the broadcast goes to commercial, it cuts back and he's just on the sideline, like <laughs> happy on the sideline. So, uh, I'm glad everything's okay there. Apparently that was just a cramp. Um, but yeah, uh, happy he did well.
1: Let's see if that translates to an official roster spot. Yeah. Uh, ended up with two run stops Thought he was again, consistently flashing and getting into the backfield. And to me, it was, it was the best run defender of, of the night as he has been, um, you know, we we always try to be fair on this show. We've talked; I've talked a lot of shit about Christian Covington. I thought he played really well last night. Um, Ended up with a pressure. Ended up with two run stops. Has the second highest overall grade according to PFF from last night of the defense. So, uh, I thought this was his best game of the preseason as well. So, um I personally still would take Braden Fahoko, Right? I, I don't think that has really changed but you know Covington did play well last night and you know to be fair and uh mm-hmm. equal I think we have to give him a shout out as well
3: yeah he really did play well it was easily his best game of the preseason and you could just tell that even if Braden is the better run stopper and he is Christian Covington I undoubtedly is going to be the better pass rusher the number it's not like he was great last year but if you need something else as a pass rusher it's normally probably going to be Covington mm-hmm. um so there is definitely that distinction there, and it'll be up to the Chargers to see which one they value more.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, we talked about it on the show. It felt like Jerry Tillery and Christian Covington got pushed around uh, quite a bit versus the Cowboys. It, Jerry Tillery didn't play, but Christian Covington didn't get, didn't get pushed around. So, I mean, step yeah. in the right direction in terms of uh, that. Still, again, based on the full sample size we saw last year, and just based on what his skill set really is. Um, I mean, he's probably going to make the roster at this point, Um, but he's a player that you can probably trust to play in a pinch, but if you get him playing significant snaps like against uh, the Eagles last year or down the stretch when players were out, uh, it could get ugly fairly quickly. So I would hope that the preseason is kind of the most we see of Christian Covington, Uh, but we'll see how that plays out, especially when we get to final roster cuts in the first game.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So the last thing that I wanted to mention, at least in terms of positive takeaways here, wasn't necessarily like a great game for him by any means, but I, I love that they were giving Nick Neiman a chance to call the plays on defense with the first team. And you know, we've seen in previous weeks that Troy Reader was kind of that guy, and, and Reader didn't play a ton of snaps. Reader only played, I think, the two drives. Yeah, he only played 12 snaps. Um, but them trusting Nick Neiman to you know uh run the defense essentially when there were some key players out there against the first team Saints offense I think is um uh, nothing if nothing else it's a good experience for Nick Neiman and I I thought he played okay Mm -hmm. but uh you know I think they're gonna have to rely on Nick Neiman at some point in this season so him getting that experience I think was pretty important
3: yeah slow ramp up to him potentially being the will next year well I guess we'll see with Murray
1: but yeah, we will see with Murray. Um, all right, let's get to a bit of an elephant in the room here. Uh, that is Mr. JT Woods again, uh, kind of struggling in this one. Ended up with two missed tackles. I thought it could have been three, um, but the official stat from PFF is two missed tackles. I will say I felt like he was much more decisive last night than he was the previous week. I didn't see problems with hesitation. Mm-hmm. Um I think this is unfortunately just kind of an indication of where JT is at in his development. He is uh, much further behind than I think we all kind of would have hoped for at this point. I don't feel any less about him in terms of like my opinion of his ceiling. I think he still has a very high ceiling. Um, I think it's just really important to remember when you're talking about JT Woods, that this is a player who's never had a true, football offseason because he's always done track and field or he was getting drafted and really focusing in on on just like the pure physical drills of things so I I think like I said on Twitter last night it's much easier to help coach a player up and fix tackling technique than it is to you know bring more effort out of a player or help a player you know be better with his recognition and his eyes and I think You're seeing JT Woods be in the right position most of the time. You know, he is being very decisive. He is getting into those spots. He's just not able to get guys to the ground. And so I think that's a correctable issue. I encourage anybody listening to kind of pump the brakes on the JT Woods hate train that's been going around on on Twitter the last few weeks. Uh, You know, he's going to be a backup player, probably going to be inactive. But You know, I still think there is a very high ceiling here with JT Woods and his athletic ability and the way that he processes is very high level. So uh, I get it's frustrating to watch a player not be able to tackle, but um, just be patient with him. He'll get there. I think he'll ultimately be fine, but, you know, we might be in for a bit more of a rough rookie season than we uh, first envisioned for him.
3: Yeah, so I gave him a C-plus after the Chargers graded him, mostly because... Uh, it was a bit of a reach, and because he's an instinctive player who flies around, is very athletic, but he has tackling issues. And so everyone who's freaking out about him being an instinctive player who's flying around but has tackling issues, they shouldn't be all that surprised. Like, this is kind of exactly who he was, which I guess the good news is I don't see a new problem, except for last week when there was some hesitation. Um, but it is disappointing that he's not getting better, I think. I don't know, because at the same time, there's so much promise there. Like. Yeah, it's so close. He's really, really close to actually making these plays and watch Alohi Gilman against Rex Burkhead and the Texans last year. He just <laughs> could not get to the outside to get to Rex Burkhead. Yeah. And at some point, you will have to develop those traits because at least JT Woods can get there and connect. Alohi Gilman just flat out could not get there. And that's worse than at least getting there but not making the tackle, I think. So he'll develop. I disagree about him being inactive. I think you just have to let him suffer or figure it out on the fly or whatever or you know to keep making plays i don't know how many tackles he finished with last night but there were some good moments as well um probably what four three four tackles last night um so it's just yeah four it's, it's yeah okay it's gonna take some time uh i'm not super
2: worried i'm just a little disappointed yeah, um, I definitely think it's fair to be disappointed. I mean, I would love if J.D. Woods had like a better performance and just looked awesome the entire preseason. Uh, right. Same with Dean Leonard, kind of the first two weeks. And, and so sort of what the narrative was around him um, with Woods, it's a little bit different, obviously, higher round pick that the Chargers kind of invested in. But they also knew what they were um, getting themselves into. Right. So to speak, in terms of. Um, you know how raw he was as a prospect but they also viewed his ceiling as being you know really high because of his top tier athletic traits so I mean the fact that he's still getting in position to make plays and he's just not making them I think is better than the alternative like Tyler suggested you know sort of within the low Gilman situation last year uh, against the Texans so definitely a little bit disappointing but I'm also not you know, freaking out in terms of he's going to be a bad player. Like there's going to be growing pains, right? Um, just in terms, especially when you draft someone that is that raw and hasn't had a real football off season, like Steven said. So um, it's just going to be something to monitor going forward. And maybe it does become a problem. Maybe we reach a point where he, you know, he's just not improving the way he should or working on those fundamentals. But I'm all belief that the chargers
1: still will figure it out at this point. Yeah. I, I... To be fair, they could certainly do like a you know a similar approach to how they that they did with Chris Rumpf where last season it was essentially like you give him two drives, you know he, you get about ten snaps a game, and I think those will will certainly help. But um, you know I, I, he's going to develop right, like he's going to be fully dedicated to football. He's going to get into an NFL weight room, and we just talked about with Joshua Kelly, like how much being in an NFL weight room and being fully dedicated can help you. Uh, we've seen that from Chris Rumpf, uh, as you know, LA Chargers fan points out in the chat. Um, you know, <laughs> JT was is very skinny because he's been a track athlete. He's had to keep that weight off of him. So I think we will see ultimately and appreciate the, uh, super chat from LA Chargers fan. Um, there was another super sticker earlier that I missed. I think it was from Frank, our guy, Frank Blakely, if I remember correctly. Yep. Shout out yeah. to Frank. Uh, Oops. There we go. Uh, And then Michael Lopez officially joined in the uh, YouTube members. So appreciate that from uh, Michael as well. Um, Guys, any other thoughts from the preseason game last night before we get into the nitty gritty of predicting the Chargers roster?
2: No roster time.
1: (laughs) All right, cool. So as always, we are going to share a uh, Google screen here. I apologize if you can't see it. Maybe we can make that a little bit bigger, Tyler. Is that uh, better? That looks better. Yeah, Arjun said we missed a special teams takeaway. Oh, yeah, they did only kick touchbacks. Yeah, I also was surprised at how the Saints punt returners were just like not returning anything. Like they definitely could have returned at least two of the punts from J.K. Scott and didn't. So that was that was an interesting decision by the Saints returners. Yeah, man, scared of Trey McKitty. great to see trey out there by the way it was was Mm -hmm. good he had a one-headed catch had a couple couple missed blocks but had a good couple other blocks so it was good to see him out there Mm -hmm. all right so uh on the screen here for our video audience is obviously our roster prediction google sheet um this is the one that uh, we've kind of collaborated on and uh stuck around with so We've talked about the quarterbacks. They are keeping three. We know this. It's going to be Justin Herbert, Chase Daniel, and Easton Stick. We'll talk about the running back situation here. Um, Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly, I feel like pretty cemented, one and two. Isaiah Spiller. TBD there, I think his injury certainly Mm -hmm. uh, merits them keeping four right now. I think that is Larry Roundtree. Alex, any chance you think they kind of – scour the waiver wire and maybe pick up a different running back and cut Larry Roundtree down the road.
2: Um, I mean, it's possible we saw them do it with uh, who was the safety from the Broncos last year um, that they picked up on the waiver wire and Eric Banks. We uh, Yeah, Trey Marshall and then, you know, you had Eric Banks, so they could scour the waiver wire and I wouldn't, you know, be opposed to that for the running back position. If they do feel they really are in that position with Larry Roundtree, but I do think they view Roundtree as a pretty critical special teams piece at this point to the point where they probably wouldn't do that. And I'll see if Isaiah Spiller being hurt. So I don't think they'd necessarily like want to get super creative or you know invest mm-hmm. you know a waiver wire pickup into a running back. I think they might do that for some other positions, um, but probably not.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think at this point we have these four. Those are the four if someone makes a practice squad, let's say it's lady Brown, that's kind of your potential fifth guy um, to elevate. If something happens to spill it around true or whatever. Um, but nope, I think it's these four and hell yeah.
1: <laughs> um, like I said, I, I feel better about this group than I, at, at this point than I did uh, last year. So you know, we'll see what it is. Um, apparently Pat McAfee was talking crap on JK Scott. That's surprising will have to go back Why? and uh, find that, I guess. I don't know. Um, all right, fullback talk. Obviously, Xander Horvath has really kind of cemented this. It's been this way for the past few weeks. I yeah. know a lot of people have still kind of wondered, like, uh, what if, um, you know, what do they do with Game Neighbors? He's best friends with Justin Harbour and all that stuff. Uh, Xander's been the fullback for pretty much the last three weeks. Game Neighbors is essentially working with the tight ends. Uh, and frankly, like the third string tight ends, we are, are – i don't think there's any chance that game neighbors makes this roster uh horvath got 10 snaps last night to neighbors two so in, in case mm. you really had any doubt there uh it is xander's job at this point yep and as expected so obviously we'll move next to the tight ends they kept four tight ends last year they could certainly do that again if they really feel like hunter Camp Moyer has has kind of cemented himself but um alex what do you make of the uh tight end group potentially keeping three potentially keeping four uh where are you at with this group
2: um it's three and i feel like it's been three the whole time maybe there was like a little bit of a oh well they might you know with donald Parm and, and trim McKinney going through the injuries they went through there was a possibility for a brief time but i think they expect both of those guys to be ready for uh week one at this point and i mean uh Hunter Kemp-Moyer didn't have, like, the best game last night either. So at this point, I think the Chargers are just kind of going with the three. Certainly a practice squad possibility with, you know, how involved he's been in training camp and everything. But there's just not that necessity to keep for anymore, partially because of Xander Horbath, um, but also just because, like, Hunter Kemp-Moyer really isn't the guy giving you that, you know, Stephen Anderson-like flexibility from last year, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: I think they maybe would have experimented with that. What it comes down to for me is this. I do think they're keeping three. They could at some point have a fourth during the season. I just think if you look at Cantmore, and Hook, Stone Smart, or even Gabe Neighbors, which one of those guys really separated themselves this offseason? Not really anybody. Like, Cantmore was, I guess, clearly the fourth tight end. I don't think he really you know, overall separate himself from the other guys. Stone smart came on strong Chrome you know, again, grew up a chargers fan. I think that's pretty cool. Now he's, he looked good yesterday. I think he had that really big catch yesterday. His his
1: one route yesterday looked nice. It was good. Mm -hmm.
3: So if you need a tight end, if Donald Parham is not going to be available week one, you just take one of those guys from the practice squad and elevate them. I don't think you need to keep one of those guys. And listen, if you cut camp Moyer and he goes somewhere else, I think you have enough other tight ends on the practice squad where it's not that big of a loss, even though I think they could genuinely have, you know, Kent Moyer on or Carmen Hawk or whoever on game day active as an, a practice squad elevation. I don't think you need them on your roster. I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to keep this guy on my roster. So I agree with three tight ends.
1: Yeah, I, I, and I agree, too. I think they really like tight ends in this offense. You know, uh, Joe Brady a couple of years ago said tight end. Is really the most important position outside of quarterback on you know kind of the Saints offense just based off of what they do. But I feel like the reason they kept four last year was in part because Trey McKitty was still recovering from his knee surgery. Jared Cook was not a good or useful blocker at all. Right. So I think this group, I, I I feel really good about the definition of their roles. You know, Jared Everett kind of being. You know, their their move tight end and you know, the guy who will move out to the slot. He'll run some yards yards after catch concepts. And I, he's also a good blocker. So I feel good about him. Donald Parham being kind of the inline blocker, vertical seam stretching kind of tight end. I uh, feel good there. And then Trey McKitty being there, essentially Steven Anderson replacement in terms of being an H-back, inline blocker kind of tight end. I say this all the time, like that catch last night and just like the way that he moves he just looks so much like Virgil green, man. Like it's, he's it's scary too, right? how much, yeah, the 88 doesn't help either, but him and Virgil green, I swear could be like twins. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty similar so far. Yeah. I'll right, we'll move on to the uh, wide receiver room. I think again, you know, there's a lot of love for Michael Bandy and I think he's had a fantastic off season, fantastic preseason. I don't think there's really any chance that they keep him. I think they're going to roll with Keenan, Mike, Josh Palmer, Jalen Guyton and then of course DeAndre Carter. But Tyler, uh where are you at with Bandy? Do you think he's going to be a practice squad option? Do you think he goes somewhere else? What's kind of your assessment of that situation?
3: I think they cut him. He goes somewhere on the waiver wire, but I mean, I don't know if Arjun wants to specifically speak to this in the chat, but there were you know, rumblings of people not being super enthused around the league which is the fact that he's not a physical specimen like there's still that bias towards you know these not as big wide receivers whether it be calvin austin or you know kyle phillips in the draft or, or not with michael Bandy, just some guys that maybe aren't the biggest aren't the most athletic or most dynamic it just kind of fall out you know sometimes so i think sure I would love Michael Bandy on the roster, of course. Um, it's very interesting that they do have him even returning kickoff returns, although Joe Reed was not playing. Um, so I do think he is a guy that will they would love to have on the practice squad, but I think he ends up going somewhere else in the league. I think one of 31 teams will end up picking him up, and I just don't think they have a spot for him right now because of the way they're constructing their roster. And I think that if you're looking at any of these depth guys, Bandy might have made the case over anybody else in the bubble to be kept on the team, but he's still not going to be as involved on the team as someone else that we have on the bubble, like a Braden Fahoko who probably will see snaps, you know, regardless of who's healthy, who's there. Like he will probably be active and part of the rotation, whereas Bandy will always be a healthy scratch. So I think, you know, they have their five. It's always kind of been five. Bandy made a really good push, but at the end of the day, I think they just a with, because of bad roster decisions uh, you know, above him in the offense and B, because they need guys elsewhere, I think Bandy's gone.
2: Yeah, um, I think Bandy's gone as well. Um, has done the most to prove that he deserves a spot on this team as a wide receiver six But the Chargers. Certainly in the Brandon Staley era, haven't been keen on keeping six receivers. Uh, they kept five last year or, you know, four wide receivers and a KJ Hill. Um, but then you have, you know, some of these other decisions that the chargers have made they're they're gonna keep three quarterbacks they're gonna keep four running backs and if you're gonna do that with all the bodies you need to keep in the defensive back room as well um, on defense then there just isn't a spot for michael bandy um and i get that scouts probably like aren't thrilled with him you know there there is a bit of like a Blue collar lunch pail, you know, kind of kid. Uh, he, he's not, <laughs> that's what it seems like the scouts think of him and some of these undersized uh, receivers in that sense. But I just, I don't know what to say at this point. Like he did everything this preseason to show that he should be rewarded. But with the way the Chargers have constructed their roster, it's just not a meritocracy. And you're going to see guys that didn't have the preseasons or training camps, Bandy did have
1: that are going to make the roster over him. And I think that is kind of a shame. It is kind of a shame. I, I do also think just like the position that he plays kind of uh, hurts his chances, right? Because Keenan Allen's going to take snaps in the slot. Josh Palmer's going to take snaps in the slot. Gerald McKitty going to take, or not Gerald McKitty, hello. Gerald Everett is going to take snaps in the slot. And so is DeAndre Carter. I think DeAndre Carter is kind of like a slot only player. So it, it's just tough to have, two guys in the back end of your receiver room that are are basically only slot receivers. So, you know, if DeAndre Carter were a bit more versatile or Bandy were a bit more versatile, I think you could have a stronger argument there. But in terms of purely being receivers, I feel like DeAndre and Michael Bandy are unfortunately just a, a little redundant in that regard.
3: Yeah, unfortunate. But I, I'm, I'm glad he auditioned well enough to probably get a job somewhere else. So that's good. Yeah.
1: Um, all right, we'll move to the offensive line. They kept nine last year. I expect them to keep nine again. Um, there are some teams who like to keep 10. Uh, I don't really think the Chargers have a 10th player to uh, really kind of merit that, that kind of approach. It, I would love it if they did have that kind of player, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. But Alex, you mentioned Brandon Hymas earlier. Any consideration for you in cutting Hymus, maybe keeping somebody like a Zach Bailey, like I mentioned, the, the other offensive tackles kind of looked good, or maybe kind of a Ryan Hunter type? Where are you at with uh, Brendan Hymus making the roster?
2: Um, I mean, it's certainly possible, but I don't think they're going to move on from Brendan Hymus anytime soon. Um, I I don't think they view him as like a developmental prospect anymore, but just with the amount of bodies you're going to keep in that range. And there is still, you know, he's on a rookie contract that you're trying to kind of, you know, manipulate and and get value out of. So I still think they have some faith in Jaime's not to really become a starter at this point, but to be serviceable depth and, and work his way into that. Uh, I think these are the nine more or less, is it possible they move on from Brendan Himes and scour the waiver wire? It's possible. Um, but at this point, I, I think that this is their nine.
3: Yep, I absolutely agree. Brendan Himes, something happened between training camp and the preseason last year until now, where it seems like they just don't really think all that much of him. Certainly last night's game didn't help, um, but they have they have Sawyer. He is the starting swing into offensive lineman. Uh, Hymas will make it, and I feel good about that depth. That's fine.
1: Yeah, I I really like the eight players that they have. I was a little down on Will Clapp after the first preseason game, but uh, he's played really well the last two weeks, had some really high-level one-on-one reps against the Cowboys. So I'm not super confident that they upgraded over Scott Questenberry, but I think what Clapp Mm -hmm. does give you is a bit of a better run blocker. He's stronger, more physical, I think, than Scott Questenberry was. So I, I feel fine about that. And we've talked a lot about Jamari Salyer at this point. Yeah. Um, I would I would love for them to get a better swing tackle than Storm Norton or starting right tackle, but, you know, it is what it is at this point. Um, the other thing with Brendan Hymas to point out, and Daniel Popper mentioned this in his uh, prediction articles, is that they think Hymas can play four positions on the offensive line still. So I don't know if they're necessarily high on his development, but they think that he can play both guard spots. He can play center and he can play right tackle in a pinch. So um, that's, that's worth keeping around and developing. If you feel like you need to get a fourth offensive tackle and, and maybe sign somebody off of the waiver wire and cut Brendan Heimless, I would understand that approach. That's how they had it last year with four tackles and uh, five into your offensive linemen. This year they have it. It was six into your offensive linemen and three offensive tackles. So, I could understand that, but that really is kind of the only way I see Brandon Hymus not being on this roster this year. All right, we'll get to the edge rushing position here. Um, this is kind of an area that we've accumulated some information over the last 24 hours. Um, sounds like they're only going to keep three edge rushers this year in terms of pure edge rushers, of course, being Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, and Chris Rumpf um Tyler do you want to kind of clarify what we've heard over the last 24 hours about this specific position
3: oh gosh um okay
1: just for at least
3: (laughs) I'll try so based on just based on what was there last night so for what it's worth Davis Jamal Davis and Eggboulet were the first guys out there Carlo Kemp was not Carlo Kemp has always kind of been the other guy to go out there after Chris Rump or whoever comes out um, but it's been Davis, it's been Egg last night. So I think that it's not Kemp's job here. And that's just based on what we've seen. Um, I-, I did ask my sister to ask Emma
2: Kay if he'd make the roster or not.
3: <laughs> um, So I'll find out maybe. No. <laughs> Shoot, mom. Uh, I don't know the answer to that yet, but uh, I'm trying. Working my sources oh here. do what I can. <laughs> they say we don't have sources. Um, I will say, so there's... One person said they're not a fan of their edge depth. And again, Arjun, you can speak to this in the chat if you want, but apparently they're not a huge fan of their edge depth, which, oh, that's a big surprise to none of us who wanted them to take an edge rusher at some point in the draft. Yeah. Um, but there's that. Then I got, um, a message from an agent who said that the edge competition was wide open among these depth guys. So it really just seems like they just wanted somebody to stick. And it doesn't really quite sound like they have yet. Um, so I currently, based on what you have here, would say that I, I would go with the, the idea that they have three edge rushers here. The only thing throwing me off, the only thing throwing me off is the person who said that the edge competition was wide open. Straight up, Point blank, asked me just out of curiosity, who would you keep as the fourth edge rusher and who would you put on the practice squad? Now, this person is a an agent for a person on the team. So why are you asking me who I would think the fourth edge player would be if there wasn't an edge spot available outside of Kyle Van Noy? obviously, as the I guess the, the first of five, but really four if he's a linebacker? So that's the only thing throwing me off. Why would you ask me if there's a, if, if there's an open competition for that spot? And if you ask me who would be the fourth guy, to me, that sounds like they're, they would keep four guys with also Kyle Van Noy. But again, I don't have that distinction either. I don't know if if four means with Kyle Van Noy or not. Point is, um, what I think will end up happening, honestly, is that they're going to keep five safeties like you do have. And I think at some point, one of those guys, probably Webb or or Gilman, ends up on the pub list or something, and they end up elevating some edge rusher to the active roster at some point to the 53 kind of like they had force Meryl for two and a half seconds, and then something happened, they cut him or whatever. It's like, I, I think that it's temporary. I think they're going to have three edge rushers and Kyle Van Noy to make it four. Um, I think they'll have five safeties. And I think at some point, they don't really... Like, if, if the competition is still wide open, and it was wide open, and it is wide open, and if they're still not really happy about their depth, then it really doesn't sound to me like they care all that much if it's Agbile, Davis, or Kemp. Like, somebody, and eventually Shelby, if he comes back, um... It just sounds like that's just open at some point. So if if they cut all three, and I think they will, and and of course Shelby was already cut, if someone gets picked up on the waivers, bummer. But to me, all those three guys, almost like tight end, are close enough where just someone will stick to the practice squad They'll protect that person, and they'll elevate them as needed or, or whatever. So um, yeah, so that, that, that's the most that I have from the edge rusher group. And I think that this was a very tough one. Of anybody, I think it's Jamal Davis. Um, but no, I, I think that they keep three edge rushers and Kyle Van Noy. Sorry for the long winded explanation.
2: Yeah, um, the edge is going to be really tough to evaluate depending on what they want out of Kyle Van Noy. If he's going to be starting at linebacker week one, or are they going to move him back to edge? If Kenneth Murray's you know kind of able to take that role, uh, or at least be like the second, you know, kind of uh, middle linebacker in that group, I don't know what they're going to do there, but. Just on a like merit basis, I feel like all the edge players have played really well when we're talking about those four through five guys, including um Aguilé, Davis, and Kemp. I do think the web part of this is interesting because obviously they can't put him on IR now, or he'll be knocked out for a large portion of the season if they do it prior to the final roster construction. So they probably keep him on well, the, it final... would be the,
1: it would be the whole season.
2: If yeah. Put him on so, IR. yeah. So that's why they can't do that now. Yeah. So they probably wait until the creation of the final roster and then move him to IR. Um, how long, he, does, what's
1: the IR rules again? How long does he have to be on there if they move him there? So, um the new role i think is four weeks and if they put him on the if they put him on the pup that would also be four weeks so that that would if they put him on the pup now then that means he would miss three games as right four so i don't know where he's at if he's if he's even close to returning but i you know it is definitely an interesting spot to be in for yeah
2: so I do think Webb probably uh, gets put on the IR after they make the roster and then they bump up one of Egbele, uh Rumford, oh, Agbele, Rumf, sorry Egbelay uh Davis or Kemp based on what we have so far and what we've seen in the preseason I think they should keep Egbele. um I I don't really <laughs> I mean he's been probably one of the most efficient Edge rushers on the team has been with them for a while, knows the system. Um, I don't see why you would want to move on from him. If you keep Jamal Davis, and again, like Tyler said, I think the difference between all of these players is very minimal at this point. But I've been impressed with what I've seen from MK this uh preseason, just as I have been with Davis. But you know, I think the players in the locker room, particularly in the edge room and on the defensive line, know what they're getting out of Angela, and I do think there is. Something of value there in terms of how Joey Bosa and other players talk about him. So I would keep that fourth edge spot for Egbley, but I again I don't think there's like a huge difference between Davis or Kemp or him.
1: Yeah, believe is definitely the best pass rusher of that group. He's he's so much yes. more refined than the other two players. And last night he one of his pressures came off of a filthy filthy cross chop that you just, you just can't see that kind of move out of Jamal Davis or Carlo Kemp. It's so. It's going to be interesting to see if they kind of balance this out and, you know, do they want kind of, you know, a Khalil Mack light and somebody who's more of a a stout run defender, power rusher like Jamal Davis or Carlo Kemp, or would they favor M.K. Or do they favor a a waiver wire spot? So I think there's enough smoke to what we've been hearing, to what Daniel Popper has also been reporting that they feel like Calvin and Kenneth Murray, which is quite the sentence to say out loud. Can both play on the edge in a pinch. So, um, I I think it's a similar approach to kind of what happened with Ryan Smith last year, meaning Mark Webb, where you you make the roster, then you get put on IR or PUP. Yeah. And then they kind of fill in that last spot in another way. So, Mm -hmm. um, we'll get to Webb in a second here and what we kind of heard about him. But it it does sound like they're going to keep three edge rushers, address that four spot down the road. Cause I I think they will have four on like an active roster day but it just doesn't sound like they feel great about any of those other three players. Um, all right. We'll get to the interior defensive line. So obviously Sebastian oh. Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Morgan Fox, Jerry Tillery and Otito of Bona. Uh, those five we knew would make the roster from the beginning. It really was just, if they were going to keep six, who was that going to be? We've heard consistently that they have kind of always planned to keep six. Uh, and I think, The three of us certainly agree that Brayden Fajoko has kind of won that competition battle. Um, You know, he's been consistently rotating in with the first team, second team more often than Christian Covington has. And I think Brayden Fajoko is definitely the superior run defender. So um, we talked about Christian Covington earlier, having his best game of the preseason last night. Any chance that he makes the roster over Brayden Fajoko?
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's basically, I I thought he had had it the whole time. uh, Well, when they signed him and then the camp started and everything changed, but at this point it's going to come down to who do I like versus who is better um, for the coaching staff. It feels like, so yeah, I absolutely do think Christian Covington can make it. I, I will say that it sort of helps that you have both Morgan Fox and Jerry Tillery because they're more your pass rushers. They're going And like, literally they're, they're your pass rushers, They're not exactly your, your run stoppers. So if Covington <laughs> is a better pass rusher, then maybe you don't need another, like you don't need another guy who's a better pass rusher. Um, you do need somebody who can be a bit more of a plug take on those double teams. So I think that is Fajoco in the end, but Christian Covington, they had him last year. They felt that he would do better in a more reduced role this year, that he was just kind of overexposed in his role last year because of all the injuries, Um, They re signed him, obviously. He is, he did take, you know, as many snaps as Fajoco. So it's, it's really neck and neck. I think it's really, really close. It would not surprise
2: me either way which one they pick. Yeah. I think either way, they are keeping six in this current, you know, format that we've gone over, especially with Morgan Fox and and Jerry Tillery not dressing uh, last night to play in the game. It's either Fajoco or Covington. I think they'll give it to Fajoco. Um, But that could also come down to which one do they think is, like, more practice squattable in a sense, right? Is there a team that would, like, pick up someone like Christian Covington off of waivers versus picking Fajoco off of waivers? I do think that's a legitimate question based on just, you know, how many years um, Christian Covington has occurred. But, yeah, I I, I think that there is a chance that they do go Covington or Fajoko, although if I had to put money on it right now based on what we've seen in training camp and based on what we've seen in the preseason –
1: I think it does go to Fahoko. Um, need to address to. this. Uh Fahoko hasn't showed much ever. What games are you watching? We're talking about a guy who was first in the league in run stop percentage last year of any defensive tackle who had 50 run defense snaps. Literally, what games are you watching where Brain Fahoko has not showed anything to you? He has clearly been the best defensive tackle in the preseason for this team. He has been making so many plays consistently as a run defender. Last night, he had some great pass rush reps. Literally, what are you watching? <laughs> Brutal. Um,
3: it's it's definitely very tough. Like I think with someone like Fahoko, especially because he's not much of a pass rusher, you don't really see a lot. But if you're watching the replays, you'll see that he just chest presses into your offensive lineman he's always in the back horses always yeah you're you're forcing the running back to bounce or move or second guess or whatever and that doesn't show up on the stat sheet and it, i don't even think it's showing up in the pff grades but you can tell that he's affecting the run in some way that some other guys aren't and, and frankly watch his mic'd up against the rams and then look at his stat sheet that he had one tackle i don't buy that those are even the same like, i gotta understand how that's um put together but yeah no he's been he's been fantastic and he's been murdering guys in camp and I'm like, and like Zion Johnson beating up guys in camp. Brennan Heim those guys.
2: If only there was a way that we could keep both Covington and Fahoko by freeing up some other roster space. But I just, I can't find a
1: solution looking at this chart. Just can't see the numbers there. I mean, I'd be pretty against keeping seven defensive tackles if we're being completely honest. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'd rather keep seven defensive tackles than three quarterbacks, but here we are.
1: That's very true. That is very true. So, um, you know, they they'll keep the six. I really hope that it is Fahoka. I think part of that is obviously where Otito Ogbonia is at in his development and, and just not being fully ready to be yeah. called upon if he needs to play a lot of snaps. So, I think Fahoko, you just trust him a little bit more than Ogbonia. Um,
3: I do want to bring up one quick thing from? I'm sorry, it. Tavi Tavi. Um, If you cut Covington, so he says if you cut Covington, he'll be picked up by another team. With Fahoko, there's a chance he may re- remain on the practice squad. Um, that camp, his camp and others that we know about his main. Yes. Uh Yes. They might not want to return to the practice squad. Some people might want to go try to make the active roster elsewhere. So you can take that chance and cut these guys, but just know that some guys out of several camps on the defense side of the ball, are considering alternate options which is fine that's part of the nfl i'm just saying like it's not just you know okay i'll just go to the practice squad like no some guys are frustrated and they want to go elsewhere um, yeah. so i wouldn't assume that just because you cut him and he doesn't get claimed on waivers that he also would want to return and i mean that for several players
1: yeah I, i've also heard that about joe gaziano so um these guys who have been consistently producing in the opportunities that they have been given don't like to stick around on practice squads. So, um, could Christian Covington be picked up by somebody else? Maybe. I think if you watch film and look at his his stat sheet, you're probably not super interested in keeping that or going after that player. But if Fajoco and Joe Gazziano and some of these other guys get cut and they are not coming back, and I think in general players do not want to stick around on the same practice squad for three four years. They want to go get opportunities while they can. And I think Falco and Gaziano have earned that and would not blame them at all. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll move on to the linebacker position. Uh, Calvin Noy, Drew Tranquil, Kenneth Murray, Troy Reader, Nick Neiman are the guys that I have penciled them in, in here. Um, Van Noy, obviously the, the wild card in terms of how much he can play on yeah. the edge or not. Um, Kenneth Murray, apparently the same conversation according to Daniel Popper. Um, but I feel like the first four is obviously obviously set in stone. Try reader mm-hmm. signed by this team uh for his familiarity with the system, with the scheme, with Brandon Staley. I'm a little iffy about Nick Neiman. We haven't seen him have as nearly as good of a good preseason as we did last year, but he was their core special teams player, arguably their best special teams player. Um, so I, I'm I'm iffy about Nick Neiman. I don't know about you, Alex. Where are you feeling about that last linebacker spot? I think they keep Nick Neiman uh, mostly
2: because they have to. All right. I mean, in terms of the special teams value that you're getting out of him and Ryan Ficken has kind of stressed that point quite a bit. It would be maybe a little bit different if they like drafted, um, another like linebacker presence to compete in that room, but, uh, you didn't really get a whole lot out of somebody like Amon Amigo or Damon Lloyd this, uh, preseason. I mean, you, you saw some flashes there. um, hope my guy Tyreek Maddox-Williams makes the practice squad. Uh, maybe that can happen. But aside from <laughs> that, thanks, Tyler. I appreciate your positivity. Uh, <laughs> but uh, these are the five guys that I think are in the linebacker room. Neiman is maybe debatable, but I do think they need his um, special teams value.
3: Yeah, that's really what it comes down to is Neem? Well, Eamon does have special teams value. I just think Neiman was the better guy last year. So I, it's yeah. kind of a toss up there. It's tough because I do think Neiman last year was the clear guy that should have made the roster, and he did. But Eamon ogbong consistently got more play on defense, and that's the real big X factor here, is that even though they drafted Neiman and he had a better preseason and he's a better athlete and probably at least has a better floor as a player, they did play a lot more Eamon last year. The difference, though, this year is that they do have Kyle Van Noy at Mike, they did sort of have Troy Reader at Mike. And so now, and, and Kenneth Murray, who knows? I think now, they, you know, last year, they didn't quite have that as much. This year, I feel like, n- you know, you don't need Eamon as much because you have enough Mike-type guys and you need to have maybe more your Will guys. It's Tranquil and then Neiman, like it was on the unofficial depth chart, which doesn't really mean a whole lot, but just for what it's worth, that's how they classified it. And I think that's kind of how they look at it. You have Kyle Van Noy, then at some point, if Kyle Van Noy Goes to edge rusher. Maybe you have Troy Reader come in or whatever. Like Amen is definitely not the next guy in. I feel like Neiman would get on the field sooner. And for what it's worth, last night and the previous game, it was Troy Reader and Nick Neiman to open. Troy Reader, Nick Neiman to open again. Um, Although I don't know if Amen was healthy. No, he was healthy the second game. Yeah. Um, So you know, Neiman. Yeah. So in theory, I think Neiman has the quickest path to be on the field. He is there. He was their best special teamer last year. They did draft him again. Amen played more like they gave him more reps, more run at at Mike or whatever. Um, But I think this year, based on the guys that they have, I think you need to hold on to Neiman instead of Amen. If Kyle Van were considered a true edge rusher as the edge three, then sure, you could find a way to keep Amen. But at this point, that's not the case. And so Amen's gone from a guy that could contribute this year and be your next in line at Mike to the sixth guy
1: and the odd man out. Yeah, I think that's really the important dis- distinction. Obviously, we thought that Calvin would be much more involved on the edge when they signed him. And that's obviously not been the case so far. Um, so I think that's pretty well said. I will right, we'll move to the secondary, which I feel like it is a very interesting spot right now. I have them penciled in for six corners and five safeties. We talked a little bit about the marks at Mark Webb situation. Um, in terms of the corners, you're obviously talking about J.C. Jackson, Bryce Callahan, Michael Davis, and Asante Samuel Jr., those four pencil in, obviously. Uh, Jaw Taylor has been very impressive in practices over the last few weeks. He had a couple of good tackles mm-hmm. and, and uh, reading reacts last night as well. So I feel like he's pretty safe at the fifth corner spot. I've seen a lot of people suggest that Dean Leonard will not make this roster. Um, I think Jeff Miller and Nick Cothrell did not have him making the roster. I think that's tough for me, especially with where JC Jackson's ankle injury is at or ankle ankle wound or whatever you want to say. So I still think Dean Leonard makes the roster. You know, he's dealing with a hamstring injury himself, but I don't think they have the flexibility to lose their other outside corner with where JC Jackson is at with his health.
2: And I also think in addition to that, this would look potentially very very different if Tavon campbell was healthy yeah, um, and still here right because if you had the ability to plug him in as your cb you know five so to speak or cb4 with jc jackson hurt i think then at that point they could have put dean leonard on the practice squad and then roll with jot taylor as your last corner but now that you don't have him um we don't know if there will be some kind of like injury settlement or whether he'll come back later you probably just have to just throw a Taylor and Dean Leonard uh, there. And you don't want to risk necessarily someone like picking up Dean Leonard on the waiver wire either. So I don't think that it's a certainty that Dean Leonard makes the roster, but especially with the JC Jackson injury, Tavon Campbell not being here anymore. It's pretty likely at this point. Yeah.
3: I just don't see with JC Jackson's injury with Tavon Campbell being gone. You don't have a lot of true outside guys here. If JC Jackson misses week one, like Dean Leonard's your third corner on the outside. Like You you, you have to keep it. Now, I yeah. will say that I think Dean Leonard makes the roster. I don't think his spot is secure at all in favor of some other outside corner that they could pick up on the waiver wire in free agency. I think that he will just make it because they need a body. But yeah. I absolutely think that they could find somebody else on the waiver wire to replace him at some point. So I'll project him there, but I don't know if he'll quite make it. He is currently week to week with a hamstring injury. So we'll see. It didn't seem like it was too bad, um, but we'll definitely see with Dean yeah. there. For what it's worth, too, like if you're worried about him getting picked up by another team, he did. Like they were working a deal in place with the Colts, right, as an undrafted free agent, and the Chargers yeah. swooped in, kind of like Xander Horvath, and drafted him to ensure that he wouldn't go somewhere else. So, if Dean is cut and if he's relatively, you know, close to getting back to health, you can see the Colts again just put in a claim and get a guy that they had.
1: You know, nearly a deal in place to get as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, I think you're looking at Dean Leonard and his measurables as kind of like the perfect cover three corner, you know, and there's still a lot of that around the league. So for people saying that like nobody would pick him up, it's hard to find big, tall, long, fast corners. Like it's just, you know, they're not super common anymore. And so Dean would have a a few suitors, I think. So I understand the frustrations with him. You know, he's had some issues on punt coverage. He's had some obviously the coverage issues from the first game. Um, but I still think the Chargers believe in his long-term potential, and they don't have any other options. You know, I see some people talking about Kemon Hall in the chat. Kemon is a slot-only cornerback, in my opinion. I think he can play outside in a pinch, but you know, I think you have enough of those guys, right? Like Bryce Callahan can play the slot, JC Jackson can play the slot, Asante can play the slot, Josh Taylor. Derwin, Mark Webb, Nazir Adley, all these guys can play in the slot. Like they need more outside coverage ability. And I think that Dean is they really their last option there. Could they, you know, force Merrill him and cut him and then pick up somebody else? Sure. I think that's a possibility. But for now, I think you have to pencil him in just because of, you know, they don't have the, they don't have a choice. Like there's no yeah. JC, no Taylor Campbell. Like, you need Dean Leonard on this roster. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll get to safeties. Obviously, Derwin James, Nasir Adderley are safe. The interesting ones, JT Woods is safe. Obviously, he's going to make the roster. Interesting spot here for this team because Alohi Gilman is not healthy. It sounded initially that they were hoping from somebody to kind of supplant him. Did not really happen. Mark Webb has not been on the field. Raheem Lane has been kind of up and down. He's had some really good moments in practice and particularly the the scrimmage. So they're in an interesting spot with the safety position. Alex, what do you make of uh, first and foremost, Alohi Gilman and his role on the team? And then obviously Mark Webb after that.
2: Uh, I mean, we've been talking about waiver wire stuff earlier. And, you know, uh, Trey Marshall last year was the, the safety pickup that they, you know, viewed to put into that defensive back room. This is a potential spot where you have Alohi Gilman hurt, Mark Webb starting the year hurt um you could probably pick a safety up off the waiver wire if you don't have total confidence in lane being that guy to start the year um but yeah this is going to be interesting to see how they do this i definitely think mark webb starts the year on the pup list or injured list depending on how they work that out Alohi gilman could be on the roster but we don't really know much about his injury on a week-to-week basis so Um, going to be interesting to see how they play it out. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they also decided to maybe potentially IR both of Gilman and Webb and sign a fourth safety. Um, but tough, tough position to be in. And then obviously there's a lot of domino effects throughout the rest of the roster. When we talk about, you know, Webb and Gilman, if, you know, one of them gets put on IR, do you call up another edge? Do you, you know, try to see what you can do, uh, in terms of maybe adding another, uh, temporarily another defensive lineman. I don't know what you know the order of succession would kind of be there in terms of the domino effect, but I definitely think there's a possibility for some of the guys that will be cut and do come back to the practice squad to work their way potentially back up to the roster at least for those first couple weeks while one of Web or Gilman is hurt.
3: The Gilman situation is so fascinating because they've tried everything they could to get rid of him, basically. Like they didn't want him. But yet he started this season, you know, the the off season As the safety three, he looked pretty good. Mark Webb looked good too, but he wasn't healthy. And Gilman was out there way more than he was. And can you say right now JT Woods is better on the field week one than someone like Alohi Gilman? I don't really think you can. But then Alohi Gilman gets hurt. We've seen nothing from him. So I have have no idea where he stands in that building. Because again, they do want to replace him. They've tried to. And they can't get rid of him. Like He played pretty solid in training camp so far so that's the toss-up for me mark webb is safe i was torn between mark webb and jamal davis here um because i thought davis would you know make it and mark webb has not played like at all not even really in the regular season last year barely in training camp last year there was there's not much mark webb on the field but i kind of accidentally fell into someone just <laughs> dis- discussing mark webb and apparently I am mean, not a surprise. The team loves Mark Webb. So another roster bubble player, as I was told, is evaluating their options elsewhere because Mark Webb is loved by the team and he's safe despite the fact that he has barely even played. So Mark Webb is safe. And that was kind of accidentally relayed to me. Um, now, is he safe, dot, da dot, dot? And then will he be placed on IR eventually? Probably, maybe. But Mark Webb is safe. So it really comes down to Elohi Gilman for me. And I just, unless Gilman's more hurt than we think or know, I think you have to keep him around because JT Woods hasn't really done anything except be drafted in the third round to say that, hey, I should yeah. start over Alohi Gilman, which sounds insane, but Gilman looked pretty solid in camp. So I think you have to keep five. I think one or two of them end up going on some sort of you know injured pup whatever list. And then you kind of make decisions from there, but I think this is it. I think you do keep five, and then maybe something after that happens once the rosters are announced.
1: Yeah, it's it's a difficult position for them to be in because JT's struggled. Alohi, not you don't necessarily feel great about his ceiling. And Mark injury and Mark injury, <laughs> Mark Webb has been nothing but injured. Wow. <laughs> Mark really in- unfortunate.
2: <laughs> Mark Webb, we'd love to have you on the show anytime.
1: <laughs> here's my guess mark Apologies. injury mark injury i mean it's true though like he's been nothing but injured throughout his career and it's unfortunate i would i would love to see him get onto the field and be able to be that guy but um i think you feel so good about his ceiling it's just it, it's not a great situation to be in um i'll have to go look at our lads and see you know maybe what kind of safety depth there is around there for some potential pickups but if Alohi Gilman is is healthy, I think you you have to keep him. you have to play him in that third safety role because you just although he doesn't have a super high ceiling, you feel great about his floor and you know what you're getting there. so and then you just hope that j t comes along and Mark Webb can get healthy. but I think that's an interesting spot to be in for sure. Uh, appreciate Tyler, of course, with the information as well. um all of that was in, it was available in our discord last night. so uh, make sure and uh, check that out. Uh, finally, of course, the special teamers, no surprises. Dustin Hopkins, J.K. Scott, Josh Harris will make up the final
3: 53. Yep. Then we, I mean, I, I always say we talk all the time and we share the same information, but I mean, you and I are, I think we have the exact same 53. Like I think, like this is Steven's list, but mine is the exact same if I'm not mistaken. So I feel good about this prediction could be wrong. There's always one surprise.
2: Yeah. I feel relatively good about this prediction. Nothing much more than I would change depending on the funny business with Mark Webb injury list and maybe they keep another edge. Um, But aside from that, um, I think this is pretty bulletproof at this point. Uh, Although, you know, saw Matt Barkley punt last night. So, I mean, if they want to convert (laughs) Easton stick to punter, Uh, And go that route. That's always a possibility. And and shaving down the roster. Alex, he's a safety. Come on. Uh, That's that's, well. See, he could have safety punter quarterback flexibility if we're
1: talking about the Staley system. I mean, Justin Herbert looked pretty good kicking field goals last year. You never know what these guys can do in uh, in a pinch. I guess. True. So uh, you know, I did change this obviously. You know, this morning based off of what Tyler had heard. So I I think that. Really, the iffy spots for me are like we talked about Mark Webb, potentially that spot maybe going to an edge rusher. Um, and then really the only other one is maybe they keep Christian Cummington Brain Fahoko. But other than that, I feel feel very good about our predictions here so far. Yeah,
3: and as sort of a final closing thought about it. Fajoco. like if, if it's Davis, if it's Bandy, if it's Fahoko, whatever. But somebody, one of these guys, one of these true competing guys has to make this roster. You cannot absolutely not go into the year and saying, oh, thanks for competing. You all looked so great. Uh, We're going to not include you guys because we have our other favorite options. They absolutely cannot do that to this team. And I think if it's Fajoko, awesome. I do think it'll be Fajoko. But one of these guys has to make it. You can't look at your locker room after an entire offseason of competition and then nobody gets a job. You have to. Somebody has to make it. And I think there's at least three
1: deserving guys that can. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, they've talked so much about the importance of, you know, having legitimate competition and they had some great position battles. And I think, you know, we've seen some guys come out on top and I, I hope that, like Tyler said, you know, one or two of them can, can make the roster. So uh, cut a third quarterback and two of them can make the roster. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> Alex, any final thoughts, man?
2: Nope. Uh, excited for us to talk about three quarterbacks on the roster. Exactly. One last time, whenever they finally make this
1: thing (laughs) and then move on to things that matter. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, they have to, of course, make all of these final cuts as of Tuesday at 1 PM Pacific time. Um, I would expect them to, you know, wait until the last minute, just like they did last year. So we'll have you guys covered on Tuesday evening at some point with, uh, with all of the reaction to that final 53. And we'll also talk about some potential practice squad additions as well. Um, Later on in that week, we'll do our official general NFL predictions, which I'm excited to get into and talk about uh, some real football, like Alex was saying. So that is going to do it for our show today. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Appreciate the super chats. If you are listening to this, please rate and review the podcast. We always appreciate that. Make sure you are subscribed on any platform and turn those notifications on where they are possible. So uh, appreciate everything from today. Uh, Excited to talk about real football next week and bolt up.